Welcome to Fully Covered, sponsored by Grant Thornton, leading providers in audit, tax and advisory services. So I'm delighted to announce that my guest today is Moya Murdoch. Moya is the Chief Executive Officer of Insurance Ireland. Since taking over in April 2020, Moya has navigated Insurance Ireland through a crucial phase of its growth. She's implemented a new five-year strategy for the organisation and its members who make up over 90% of the insurers in Ireland. Moya is also a member of the steering group for the Women in Finance Charter, which we'll also discuss during the podcast. Previously, Moya was the CEO of the Road Safety Authority. During her tenure, Ireland saw a 25% reduction in road fatalities and was the second safest member state in the EU, recording the lowest numbers of deaths since records began in 1959. Originally from Newry in County Down, Moya graduated from Queen's University Belfast in engineering. She also holds an MBA from DCU. So Moya, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today and thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule. So I'd like to maybe begin by talking about Insurance Ireland. Can you tell me a little bit about the role of Insurance Ireland? Hi Emma, I'm delighted to be here too. So Insurance Ireland is the representative body, as you say, for ninety over 90% of the insurers in Ireland. So we really are there to advocate and lobby and um, promote awareness of the value of the uh, insurance industry in Ireland. And um, I think one of the lesser known facts is the actual economic contribution that the insurance sector makes to the economy and the impact it has across the wider European market. And Ireland is actually the fourth largest market for insurance services in the EU. It's number one uh, in terms of exports of products across the single market. So really, we are punching above our weight and uh, we have a very large uh, presence in the domestic market as well. Insurance Ireland represents not just the general insurers who provide employers liability, public liability, motor insurance, home insurance. We also represent the life and pensions sector. We represent the international insurers and also the reinsurance and captive markets and not to forget our health insurers as well. So we have a very broad uh, range of um, insurance providers and really um, we look after the the advocating and the, the influencing on the legislative measures that are coming down the line. So these are really important to ensure that Ireland remains a competitive location uh, for uh, insurers to come and locate and do business uh, either into Ireland or out of Ireland. Very good. And how many people are on the team in Insurance Ireland? Well, the team, we have been going through, as you say, a phase of growth. We are now at our stable level of 23 people. So a small team but uh, very uh, effective and very active. Um, We have a a four-pillared organisation. We have our regulation and policy development team. Uh, We have our public affairs and advocacy team. We also then have a very active uh, media and communications uh, side. And in behind then, we obviously have to look after all our um, corporate affairs and our operational activities are, are, are just our normal HR financial services uh, t- uh, section as well. So um, really, those are the four key pillars within the organisation. And how is the organisation funded? Well, we have, as I say, 130 members. Uh, they pay a, a membership fee and they also contribute to our operating budget. So uh, we depend very much on uh, the the 
benevolence of our members and we appreciate that. We do hope we provide good value in that respect. We also get sponsorship from uh, a lot of the events that we operate. Uh, we we have two key flagship events, our annual lunch, and then we have uh our European Insurance Forum in October, a really uh, internationally focused event and very um, popular with members and our groups and our international colleagues come to Ireland for that. So it's in Dublin Castle this year on the 12th of October. So we really do, um, you know, depend on our our membership, our associate members uh, who aren't insurers, but our support services such as uh, financial uh, advisors, um, legal services, uh, consultancy services, so we do have quite a broad range of membership, not just from the insurance sector. So I mentioned the new five-year strategy for Insurance Ireland. What are the key features of that strategy? Well, obviously, we're, I'm working with the board and our, our president, Stephen Devine from SCORE, is the current president of Insurance Ireland and the outgoing president, Donald Clancy from LEA. They're all united in the uh, what we should be focusing on in the future, right? And uh, that is obviously ESG, climate action, uh, sustainability. So a key pillar of our strategy will be to uh, focus on the efficacy and the the uh, the activities of the organisation to help our members deliver on that. Also, a key feature of our strategy will be also to address the diversity, equity and inclusion of the industry, really keen to to improve the gender balance, to improve diversity and inclusion. Uh, and so that's something that we'll be working with the board on as well. So uh, as well as all of obviously the advocacy and the regulation and the, uh, the, the working with the legislators on what's coming down the line in terms of solvency to SEER, um, the auto enrolment, which we're hearing a lot about as well. So uh, but there are a couple of key elements that we do want to uh, to promote and work on as well. Um, and so. That's that's really important to not just uh, me as chief executive, but also to the board and the uh, the wider membership as well. And you mentioned um, one of the points that you're, I suppose, trying to improve is the reputation uh, in the market. And it has gotten a bad rap, I suppose, over over the last number of years. And I've discussed this with um, Minister Donoghue when, when he came on to the first episode. Um, why has it got such a bad reputation well, obviously, insurance is one of those things that isn't, it's a, a grudge buy, as I've read uh, it described in the newspaper. And people just, you know, see it as a, a cost that they have to do. In particular, for motor insurance, you have to take out motor insurance. Um, you know, you want to get a mortgage, you have to take out um mortgage protection, you have to take out a life insurance policy. So it is a um, an expense, but it is a very important uh, uh, facility to have to protect your asset, to protect you, protect your family. And, and over the last 10, 15 years, we have seen a very volatile market. We've seen prices increase, the cost of insurance 
is very expensive in Ireland and it does manifest itself in the, the, the actual premiums that we have to charge consumers for that cover. So that obviously has caused a lot of consternation and there's been a lot of complaints. Um, so uh, the government did introduce an agenda and an action plan to try and reform uh, insurance uh, in Ireland. And it was made up of a number of key measures uh, to try and address that uh, burden and that cost of insurance and also to try and help bring in competition as well because we did see a lot of um, insurers leave the market either voluntarily or through uh, you know financial constraints have gone out of business so the action plan covered a number of areas we saw recently the new personal injury guidelines being introduced which really reviewed the compensation levels in this country, which are very much out of kilter of than compared to other European jurisdictions and our near neighbours. And that is a big factor in the cost of insurance. Uh, we have also seen new legislation come into place uh, as a result of that plan on uh, perjury, which really is designed to tackle people who go in and blatantly lie about their uh, their injuries or the scale of their injuries. Um, we've also had a new office to promote competition in the insurance market set up in the Department of Finance and that there is to go out and try and attract new insurers into the market and to he- listen to the insurers that are here already to find out what could help uh, improve the environment. Uh, and most recently we saw the Personal Injuries uh, Assessment Board get more powers. So all of those measures uh, were, uh, there was a concerted uh, effort by government and by legislators and by the industry themselves to try and get together and improve the operating environment. There's still one uh, key measure uh, that's on the agenda and we hope to see that come to fruition this year, which is the uh, reform of the Public Liability and Occupiers Liability Act, which would be aimed at redressing the balance of responsibility and the duty of care so that policyholders, uh, business owners, um, whoever is uh, covering the activity, whether it's a leisure activity or an, um, an adventure activity, that the actual uh, member of the public or the, the person who's coming in to use the facilities take more responsibility for their own actions uh, and that this is not all going to lie on the uh, actual policyholder so that that can also help bring down the risk and also bring down the cost that, you know, we have to factor in when we're underwriting um, policy. So these are all really uh, measures that will work together and uh, hopefully the output will be a much more uh, attractive market for uh, businesses, but also a market that we can see new entrants come in and we can see existing insurers in particular flourish and thrive and grow their business and increase the actual availability of insurance products. And I must say we are seeing improvements in the motor market and we've heard the announcement of two new entrants into the market, Revolut and Outsurance. So that does indicate that the motor market in particular is improving and insurers have been passing on the savings. We've seen the policy, uh, the premiums come down significantly. The last uh, central bank report just out uh, two weeks ago uh, demonstrated a further 5% reduction. So over the past four years, we have seen, I think it's almost a 24% reduction in the premium prices. So Motor has definitely seen a a much better uh, outcome. And what we need to do is the same for the employer's liability and the public liability. Still a very challenging market. 
And you mentioned there um, new entrants coming into the motor market, which is definitely good news. And as you say, you know, it looks like premiums are, are coming down as well. So that's great for customers. Just in terms of additional competition uh, coming into the market, how involved is Insurance Ireland in attracting um, that competition in or speaking to insurers if they are thinking about coming into the market? When new insurers are deciding to come into the market, they're probably here, they've set up an office, they're getting their staff set up, uh, they have to establish boards. So we have been helping out uh, insurers in that space. You don't have to be a member to come and ask for a bit of guidance and uh, advice. We're more than happy to help. Um, So we are open. We have our own website. People can uh, avail of that. Uh, We also work with the uh, Department of Finance and the Department of Enterprise, Trade uh, and Employment as well uh, to try and assist uh, uh, those um, uh, staff as well when it comes to um, navigating the new the new environment, because many of these new insurers have never operated in Ireland. So there's new guidance they're going to have to adhere to the central bank's requirements for submitting information in terms of the claims. Uh, we obviously have um, the authorization process and what they need to, to get ready. So uh, before they will be approved by the central bank. Um, and uh, we've really been very happy to help there. I think it's good for the industry. Um, it's good for uh, competition. And we're very much uh, open to see new mark- new new entrants and grow the market even further. You met with Minister McGrath and Dr. Jennifer Carol McNeil uh, recently. And it definitely seems that the government are uh, focused, you know, have a significant amount of focus on the insurance sector. So what is that interaction between Insurance Ireland and um, the government? Is that a, a formal kind of structured uh, engagement or how does that work practically? Well, certainly um, when the different ministers switched over at the recent reshuffle, Obviously, we were very keen to meet the new ministers and uh, uh, Minister Jennifer Carl McNeil has responsibility for the uh, insurance sector under her brief. And obviously, Minister McGrath is the Minister of Finance. So it's really important that we have good uh, open channels and that we can uh, raise issues on competitiveness, on solvency to SEER, whatever is the the burning issue of the, the, the time we want to be able to talk to uh, the ministers. So um, we have been very uh, engaged with in particular Minister Karen McNeil. She is very uh, supportive of our Women in Finance uh, Charter. That's something that we've pulled together uh, between the four um, sectors, the banking, the funding and financial services and the insurance sector. And uh, that really is to improve the participation of women in the finance services, financial services sector. Um, obviously, Minister Karen McNeil is also very interested in growing the market and attracting new uh, entrants into it. So uh, it's good to raise with her also uh, the barriers or what uh, can assist in improving the operating environment. It's also we we had an opportunity to raise you know the challenges in terms of the cost of insurance and what really needs to happen to to deliver on the commitment that uh, insurers have given to reduce premiums whenever we see the actual cost savings come through. And uh, obviously, legislative leg- legislative changes are needed there in terms of the duty of care. So she's very keen to hear 
what um, can be done in that space and uh, she will ensure that that bill will go through uh, as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Now, she's also very uh, to the front telling the insurers as well what she expects of them and she has been out there um, actually telling everybody that uh, she has met with us and she's, you know, she has expectations in terms of uh, passing on the savings from the the, the reform agenda. Um, But also she's very keen in seeing how she can assist with uh, challenges such as talent and retention and attraction because like a lot of sectors at the moment, the insurance sector is really struggling to attract and retain competent, uh, qualified professionals in this sector. Traditionally, insurance has been less, probably the the, the lesser known species in the financial services has been banking all the time, but we do need to raise the awareness of uh, insurance as a great place to work. And uh, Minister Karen McNeil is very keen to help there in terms of if it's more uh, training courses, if it's more university courses or what else can we do to try and raise the awareness of uh, career progression and career um, satisfaction in insurance. And I, when I spoke to Fiona Muldoon, I think um, she made a very good point that uh, in terms of the gender gap, it's probably not so much as at a board level, but it's more the C-suite level where we are, you know, seeing less women yeah. um, progress to those senior roles. Um, I mentioned that you are on the steering committee for women in finance um, and it definitely feels that pro- progress is being made. Um, but I suppose what are your thoughts on, on that progress and what what else can the industry do to try and to bridge that gap? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on the steering group and the finance, uh, Women in Finance Charter, it's coming up actually to its first anniversary. So the 11th of May, it will be one year in, in existence. Um, across the four uh, sectors, we would probably have about 200 organisations uh, we have about 60 signed up so it, it to the charter. More needs to be done. There's definitely capacity there for all of them to sign up. Uh, and that is just, it's a commitment to, um, you know, increase the participation level of women in the financial services sector. Uh, and you mentioned the gap at the moment. I, I think even on the last survey that we have conducted we with our partners, Deloitte, uh, all across the industry, we've seen um, 53% of staff are female. However, when you get to that C-suite level, the number drops to 27%. And it's certainly uh, not uh, where we'd like it to be. Uh, I'll speak, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of blow my own trumpet. And in Insurance Ireland, our own gender gap, uh, you know, we have 75% of the staff are women and uh, we have two female directors and two male directors and a female CEO. So we as an organisation are doing our best to ensure that we live by the charter. Our own board of Insurance Ireland is very keen to embrace that as well. And um, we also have now got uh, almost 30% of the board members are female and the aim is to get it up to the 40% target. Um, But uh, uh, there is more to be done in this space and that's the uh, aim of the Women in Charter, Women in Finance Charter to really uh, measure and monitor and uh, have strategies, a DE&I strategy in organisations is really important to try and address the gaps and to understand why women are 
uh, not uh, participating at the C-suite level. And you quite often hear that, well, you know, why is it a male getting chosen for the senior role? And well, we didn't get any female candidates or whatever. I think you really do need to look into that a little bit more because, you know, our our experience, my experience is there's plenty of well-able female out the, females out there and we just need to make sure that we reach out and have them there in the selection process so that they can be assessed and um, given the same opportunity to progress their own career. So the, the, the Women in Finance Charter is really a great tool from the industry, supported by uh, the government uh, and it's part of the Ireland for Finance strategy as well. So um, let's see, we'll get our first report next week and uh, hopefully we'll see progression in that regard. And we certainly hope to see a lot more signatories to it as well. And of those 60 institutions that did sign up to the charter, are many of them insurance companies just out of interest? Yes, um, I don't have the exact number, but I think it is the majority, uh, a slight majority are insurers. Um, it represents uh, the, the 60 signatories do represent 44,000 employees. So it is uh, the major companies that have signed up. Some of the smaller companies are still looking at it because, you know, obviously if you have a one or two sized uh, um, entity or small organisation here in Ireland, uh, but you have a big uh, international cross-border market, it is a challenge to get that gender balance. But that's not a reason, you know, we, we understand that. And it's just to have the principle in place that, you know, we support the the spirit of the, the charter and that it is something that we want to do and to, you know, recognise. So um, it is a lot of employees. So there is a real benefit there, too. Yeah, and it sounds like a, a great initiative. Anything that can support support mm. the cause is uh, definitely welcomed. Um, when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, we discussed attracting young talent into the industry and try and make it more attractive as a career. I suppose, what are your thoughts on this? And is this a, a, a big issue for the insurance sector? I, I think it really is, right? Um, insurance traditionally has, uh, and I don't want to sound cliched, but it has always been seen as a pale male and steel environment. Uh, however, I, I've come into it, into Insurance Ireland without coming from an insurance background and a number of the other members of the Insurance Ireland team have also come in without ever coming from an insurance background. Um, and, you know, first thoughts would be, oh, I don't know if I'd enjoy this. This doesn't sound that interesting compared to what I could be doing or what I have done. However, uh, you know, it really is, uh, every day is different. There's so much variety in it. Maybe we just need to get the branding a little bit more uh, in tune with what people uh, really expect. And um, it's not insurance. It's so much more. It's all about risk management. It's about underwriting. It's about compliance. Uh, and it, it really, when you think about it, you know, for the vast majority of insurance products, home, motor, uh, business, you know, 50% of the population approximately would be deemed female. And yet that isn't reflected in the underwriters, in the compliance officers, in the sales uh, departments. So it's an opportunity that is missed as well. And we have seen that uh, at a different level in terms of the the evidence coming out of uh, companies and how they perform when they have gender balance on their boards. They, they are consistently outperforming their uh, counterparts who don't have any gender balance or they've really not implemented strategies to improve it. There is every 
expectation that if there was the gender balance within the sector, then obviously the firms themselves will benefit from that. And it makes so much sense to have, you know, instead of a very uh, male uh, focused product development strategy, you have to mix it up. You have to have diversity. You have to have balance. And then you will reach the actual target audience that you're trying to sell to. And so it just makes business sense to have um, good balance and uh, strong diversity and inclusion approach to what you're, what way you do your business. And have has Insurance Ireland any plans to promote that brand then for attracting that young talent? Absolutely. We actually are working on a talent campaign and um, we are obviously looking at uh, what, you know, what the needs of the industry and what level, is it entry level, if it's middle management, if it's uh, senior management. And I think even something like the podcast here, Emma, you know, we need to get out to our target, uh, you know, resources, our target employees to say, this is a great place to work. There's great, um, the firms themselves provide a, a great operating environment. I think all of our members are operating uh, blended and hybrid working, working from home. Um, it, we were probably one of the few industries that during COVID, we had almost 99% of employees still stayed in their job because of that flexibility. So our, our talent campaign, as I say, it will be a three year strategy, not just a, a once off um, media type engagement, but we want to set out uh, a roadmap to get to really improve the attractiveness of coming into the industry as a, um, a professional. And, you know, there's great opportunities to progress your career up the ladder. As your your um, previous um, interviewee, Fiona Muldoon, would be a, um, an example of someone who's gone to, right to the top there. And, you know, anybody can do it, uh, male or female. There's a couple of things just I'd, I'd like to maybe uh, discuss just before before we wrap up. Um, just a couple of specific challenges uh, um, and themes that are, are topical at the moment. And the first one is uninsured drivers, actually. And we had the recent MIBI report and it showed some startling results in that one in every 12 private vehicles on Irish roads are uninsured. And that's the second highest in the EU after Greece. So I suppose I'd just like to kind of get your thoughts on that and, you know, what needs to be done in that space. Yeah, that's a really bad record to have, isn't it? Um, And I do think it's understated because the MIBI do a lot of analysis, but they base it on the vehicles that are taxed, you know. So if somebody's going to drive around uninsured, probably they're going to be untaxed as well. So uh, this is a problem. Um, It is also a big factor contributing to the cost of insurance for the compliant drivers. Um, and I think David Fitzgerald of MIBI uh, quoted a figure of about €35 Euros a policy uh, is being picked up by compliant drivers due to the level of, um, let's call them, chancers out there. So um, it is also, um, from my own days in the Road Safety Authority, we would have you know, looked at attributes there and sometimes a, a lot of these non-compliant drivers have a litany of uh, offences. They're either... Uh, uninsured, untaxed, not got the right NCT in their vehicle, probably speeding, using a mobile phone. So it is real. It's not just a commercial issue here. It's a road safety issue. And, uh, you know, the insurance industry really see this as a problem. And we've been working on a, um, a project to allow the guards. It's a um, it, We call it the um, MTPL project, uh, the insurance um 
motor third party liability project whereby uh, the guards will have access to the database of insured drivers. It'd be able to tell them whether they're um, third party insurance, fully comp insurance, if they're a named driver. It really is a powerful tool that the guards can now use to enforce compliance at the roadside, whether they're in a car, whether they're on a motorbike or whether they're just using their mobile phone. It's really innovative. Um, It's going through the legislation to underpin this new um, uh, ANPR system is going through the doll at the moment. So we hope to see that before the end of the year. And that will really allow the guards to uh, be a lot more targeted and have a lot more smart policing uh, on the roads. So it is a big problem. The insurers themselves have invested millions in developing this. Every one of the insurers um, will feed into this database. They'll, you know, they'll know that you've taken out your insurance. They'll know whether you've cancelled it the day after you got your your disc. So that's a problem. A lot of drivers think that they can drive around after having got their insurance, then cancelling it and then they're uninsured. But on visual inspection, you might think they're insured. So it is designed to make sure that the guards have the most up to date information at their hands, at their fingertips. And so we work very closely with the um, the Garda Shikana, as well as the Department of Transport uh, and uh, the, the Shannon uh, DVCSD team to make sure that we have all of the information going into the central repository and then the guards will be able to interface with that and uh, take out the, the, the information wherever they are. So I think that will be a massive game changer for tackling the problem. As you said, Emma, Ireland is uh, running at 8-10% uninsured drivers, which we think is under-declared. And the average for other jurisdictions, even our near neighbours in the north in the UK, uh, 1-2%. It's, it's just a really bad record to have and we need to tackle it. We need to improve compliance, change the culture and the outcome for all compliant motor uh, uh, policy holders will be positive. Very good. Yeah, I know there's um, definitely a lot of work to do there. Those stats were, were um, very yeah. significant and very, yeah, I didn't I didn't expect it to be so bad actually. The other item then is climate risk. Yes. And uh, I suppose living on an island, you know, we can, uh, we've, I suppose, seen some of the, the impacts of it already. Um, and flood cover is is one that's quite topical in the in the Irish sector, although we do have uh, fairly significant, significant flood coverage, uh, earth flood cover provided in Ireland. The CBI has come out recently with some, you know, consultation papers. There's there's a lot being done in that space from a regulatory perspective, which I think will help, you know, support insurance companies tackle climate risk as well. But I sp- what are your thoughts on on how the sector is currently, you know, look, looking at this risk and what more could be done? Yeah, that is one of our key focuses in our new strategy is uh, climate risk, as you say, it affects everybody, and it's one of the um, the CP one five one that the central bank has come out with is a um, really important document on guidance to insurers on how do we uh, we tackle this. So, uh, Insurance Ireland, we have our own um, sustainability and climate risk task force. Uh, that and we've actually got two task forces. Uh, one to advocate and promote the activities that the insurers are doing, but also um, 
a working group that is looking at all of the legislation and what's coming down the line and how we can best comply with it. So one of the uh, initiatives that we have undertaken is to get a climate risk um, charter signed by all members to say we are committed to playing our part in tackling climate change, in looking at the risks and uh, improving uh, insurance coverage. You mentioned flood. That is one of our key um, uh, areas of focus and the members are looking at that at the moment to see how we can actually improve the actual coverage. Obviously there's there's some systemic problems within Ireland that some some dwellings are just uninsurable where they were built and we need to make some tough decisions there on how we fix that problem because we can't continuously repair and try to replace when it's inevitable. Insurance is there to cover the many uh, uh, from the premiums of many to cover the, uh, the, the sort of calamities of the few but if we have uh, not it might happen but it will happen that's uninsurable and we need to tackle that we just you know cannot uh, put reserves aside for the inevitable um, so we are committed to playing our part flood is a big part of that in this country and we're working with the central bank on that as well as the Department of, fi- Department of Finance and there's a number of departments involved in that issue and we do hear a lot about it so um, the insurers themselves are updating the flood maps with the OPW so areas where they have actually increased uh, flood protection they then become insurable um, and we want to work on maybe looking at having some sort of a collaboration with government in terms of how long term we tackle flooding. You know, Ireland is probably luckier than a lot of locations around the globe where this is just a catastrophic um, issue in so many countries where 50% or 30% of the country may end up underwater following an event. Uh, but we are, uh, you know, we're not going to remain immune to that climate change forever and we need to plan for it and uh, we need to play our part to make sure that um, we can deal with whatever damage and whatever um, outcomes arrive after that and to give homeowners and businesses peace of mind that there is whatever it is, whether it's uh, insurance companies providing it, whether it's a joint approach with government, but we need that protection there to make sure that business and uh, lives can continue. So that is a key priority with us and we're looking at that at the moment. Very good. Um, I suppose lastly, Moya, uh, you're in the role probably three years now. You joined in 2020. Just how, how are you enjoying it? You you joined during COVID, if that's if I understand correct. Um, that's correct. How's it all been? Well, I tell you, I know I finished the last job on the 16th of March and I think that was the day that the Taoiseach uh, Leo Varactor announced the lockdown from <laughs> New York, I think it was. And uh, I had planned to take a couple of weeks off in between jobs, but that wasn't going to happen because absolutely everything just chaos broke out. The, obviously, business interruption was a big uh, issue for the insurers. Uh, the step backs that the uh, motor insurers were providing, the, the support that the health insurers were providing, it was really in at the deep end uh, for me and to get stuck into a new um, sector, not coming from an insurance background, but I did have dealings, plenty of dealings with the, the 
motor insurance side of uh, insurance. So really, it was a steep learning curve. Uh, had good, great support from the board, and we had an interim CEO at the time who stayed on for a month. Uh, but since then, I have really been involved in so many things. We're delighted we emerged from the the European Commission investigation into competition. Uh, so that was a, a positive outcome. So it did take a lot of time to to navigate through that, and uh, the um, the organisation and our members are. Are, uh, have implemented the, the commitments that we said we would do. That's all settled down. Um, and really the organisation itself, we've gone through a complete uh, reorganisation and new strategy there. So it's been, you know, busy. Uh, I have enjoyed it. Absolutely. It's totally different all the time. And there's a lot of things happening, a lot of balls in the air. Um, certainly, um Job satisfaction, great. Uh, you know, I have to say, I really am enjoying it. I'm meeting so many different people. I'm meeting a lot of people I did meet before, but you could say I've gone from gamekeeper to poacher. You know, <laughs> uh, and that's good. You know, you can you can certainly bring experience to that, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I've got a great team in Insurance Ireland. They're really, uh, you know competent, hardworking individuals, all of them. And they really are. We want to raise the efficacy of the industry. We want to demonstrate the value that we provide to the economy, uh, the jobs, uh, over 28,000 involved in insurance, um, the tax contribution that the insurers make, the employment conditions. You know, this is great to be able to tell uh, uh the public and tell the legislators and the regulators the the value of insurance in Ireland and uh, that's what we are there to do and also to listen to the consumer and to to um, the the legislators and what we need to do so it's been a really interesting three years and I'm looking forward to another few here too <laughs> uh, not going anywhere soon <laughs> well you're definitely doing a fantastic job and thank you so much for your time today I really appreciate it thanks Emma lovely talking to you.